we can get into the word. <laughs> Every, um, well, this uh, particular series that we're starting called In the Word is, uh, it's a, a special series that's gonna last the entire year long. And so it better be good, right? <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're gonna try to make it as good as we can, but the, the focus of this is the greatest story that is ever told. Now, how many of you like a good story? Anybody? Yeah, everybody likes a good stories. Good stories are kind of the stuff that life is made of. Um, nearly every form of effective communication is built around stories. Have you ever seen the, the Numerica Credit Union ad, the one about tomatoes? It's a group of three people sitting around a, you know, in the, some kind of a restaurant, and the one guy is like, anybody want my tomato? And the other guys are like, oh, um, and, and he plops it down on the, uh, on the table, and then he starts to, to douse his, his um, uh, french fries with ketchup, and just like pouring it on as the others look curiously at him. And he's complaining the whole time about how terrible tomatoes are, and how he hates tomatoes, and how he can't understand why anybody would like tomatoes, and they're like, you know that ketchup has tomatoes in it. And then it cuts to the ad, which says something about Numerica Credit Union uh, for those who um, hate tomatoes but love ketchup. Now, what that story has to do with Numerica, it doesn't really, except every one of us knows somebody who hates tomatoes and loves ketchup, right? And, and in, in the story connects with our experience, our life experience, and it takes this, uh, you know, kind of uh, ethereal or un, uh, oblique kind of idea of a bank, and it connects it with real life in, in some way. It makes it kind of funny. Or, or maybe if we were to talk about statistics, we'd get serious for a moment. Uh, for example, human trafficking statistics. I could tell you some sobering statistics that would make you weep, probably, about the subject of trafficking. There are more slaves in our world today than there, than there were at any other time in Earth's history, even when slavery was legal. It's a pretty bad thing. But the statistics don't really connect to our heart in the same way as a story does. So if you were to take, say, the story of uh, one or two children and turn that into a movie that would, you would tell that story and see how that human trafficking works and maybe how uh, somebody could be saved out of that. Well, that's the story that Sound of Freedom tells. And when you get done watching a video like that, you start to recognize how the statistics connect with your experience. And, and you can see there's a possibility that I could be involved with the solution here. Stories take these uh, ideas and they turn them into real life experience. The power of story is so great, it, it can transform our hearts. In a way, the universe is made up of stories as much as it's made up of matter and atoms. And everybody in this room has a story. And every one of our stories intersects and connects together. We're kind of just a, a big ball of stories here in this room. And each one of us could tell a bunch of them about our own experience. 
There's one story above any other story that deserves to be told over and over and over again. It's the greatest story ever told because it intersects with every one of our lives. And it's, it's the story of how God loves you and me. It's the story of how he's pursuing us, how he pursues a lost child, somebody that he loves but has gone away from him, to try to bring him back into connection with him again. It's an epic story. It's filled with intrigue and drama and romance and redemption. And it's the story of a father who wants to be in a relationship with you more than anything else. You and I have a chance to find our stories in God's bigger story. And I think that's a, an opportunity that we need to take advantage of. Like, where do I fit in this big epic drama that has spread from the time that the earth was made till my day today? Where is my story in God's story? There's a lot of people that uh, they would tell you that they know the Bible pretty well. Um, I saw an, another short on YouTube about this, this girl. She, has, she used to be an evangelical Christian, and uh, now she's not a Christian at all. And uh, she said, uh, you guys that, that, that write in the comments under my videos and try to give me all these arguments from the Bible, like, uh, I know all those arguments. I've given all those arguments before. And then she said, I'm the most, the, the Bibliest Bibler that ever Bibled. So you can't convince me, is kind of her, her thinking. Well, but the problem is, um, most people that say they know the Bible don't actually read the Bible. I think it's important that if we're going to get the story of God, that we should get it right from the source, the place where he told us about. So the greatest story ever told is a story that we find in the Bible, from the beginning of, to the end of the Bible, all throughout the Bible, interconnecting stories that, that, that um, explain other stories and ideas that um, connect with, with uh, one person's heart or one person's experience. Do you remember those huge Bibles? They're like a family Bible that sits on the, in some special place in your grandma's, um, I don't know if you ever had the grandma that has the special room that's like the sitting room that you can't go in. Do you have one of those? Yeah. I had one of those when I was a kid, and, and uh, they had a, a special Bible there on their um, coffee table there in their, their sitting room, and it was the room that you can't go in unless you're a special guest, and that was kind of the Bible, too. It was, uh, you know, it has these interesting old pictures in there and, and these flowery lettering at different places in the, in the Bible, and it just seemed big and mm, overwhelming, like it was not really meant for me. Sometimes the Bible can feel that way. You look at it and it's a big book. I mean, it's, most of us don't read that many pages that often. And, uh, and so it can be overwhelming to look at. And add on to that, it's an old book that's been translated from another language and it has all kinds of strange stories and rituals and names like Methuselah and Jehoshaphat and Tiglath-Pileser. Some strange things in the Bible. And as you're reading through it, it's just like, what does this mean? What's the point of that? And, and all kinds of questions can come up as we read the Bible. It's possible to be overwhelmed by the Bible. But if we were to compare the Bible with, say, some other old literature, 
maybe, uh, for example, a dead British poet and his old writings, right? Uh, there's a big difference, even though it kind of sounds the same, especially if you're reading that 1611 King James Version. Uh, it can sound kind of old and archaic, just like that old British poet can sound. But the difference is, the Bible is the stuff of life. The old British poet has some interesting stories to tell, but there's no life there. The Bible, unlike every other book that's been written, it transcends time and language and culture. It sweeps through the tumultuous lives of lost and hurting people in the events from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And I, I want you to notice what the Bible says about itself in 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is God-breathed. That's an interesting way of putting it. It comes from God's inspiration is what it's saying. And, and then it says it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. First uh, Peter chapter 1 says it this way, For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. And First Thessalonians 2 says this, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. Let me ask you this. Do you want the power of God in your life? The elders and I would like to share with you throughout this coming year, this greatest story that was ever told. We'd like to systematically walk through the entire Bible with you um, as we preach and, uh, and, and also in your daily life. We want to engage with the Bible this year and explore how our story connects with its story. We want to give God an opportunity to give us the power that His Word promises I believe that it's time, especially as we start a new year and we have this kind of spot in the calendar where it kind of resets, I think it's time that we make a commitment, or at least give you the opportunity to make a commitment. I'll let you decide if you're going to make the commitment. I'd like to read through the Bible this year with you. From beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, I'd like to see the big picture of God's story. There's a hymn that says, tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, the sweetest that ever was heard. And I think particularly as we go through the Bible, I want to explore where Jesus is. Do you remember when the, the two disciples or three, I think it was two disciples, were walking from Emmaus, or back to Emmaus, I should say, and Jesus met them, and they didn't know who he was, but they were despondent because Jesus had just died and they hadn't figured out yet that he had been raised back to life. And so he's walking with them, and it says that uh, he revealed to them how the, the events of the past weekend were predicted in the Bible. And it says from Moses and the prophets, he revealed these things. I, I'd like to do that this year. I'd like to find Jesus throughout the entire Bible because it's his story. I keep talking about transformation, and some of you are thinking, I've read the Bible before, and it's boring. That's okay. I, I, there is no judgment if that's how you feel. Sometimes I've felt that way too. Uh, you wonder how the Bible can transform you when it's like, it's got all these like lists of names. 
<laughs> or, or uh, descriptions of how to build the sanctuary. Some of those uh, details, it feels like you're in maybe uh, a zoning committee. Um, they're not really that interesting. How is this transformative? Well, what I know about the Bible is that when we give it time and we put our, our hearts into understanding it, God's going to reveal himself as we read through some, even some of these things that we don't understand why God put them there. Um, as we read through it and connect the dots, we'll start to grasp what God is trying to say. Now, Jesus has something to say about this word thing, and, and I want to show it to you because it's kind of controversial in his day, and it's also a bit controversial today, but I think it's something we need to grasp. John 6, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people, and he says to them, I tell you the truth, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That was a bold thing to say to a bunch of Jews back in Jesus' day. He had just fed them um, from these five loaves and two fishes. He'd fed several thousand people. And they're like all excited about this king that they want, you know, this guy they want to make king. He can provide for us, they're saying. And then Jesus is like, no, 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 you need to eat me. And it was such a hard thing for them to hear. In verse 60, it says, On hearing this, many of his disciples says, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And in verse 66, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It was so controversial that he said this, that a lot of people abandoned him. But notice what the disciples say when Jesus asked them if they were going to turn away too. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, the disciples that were paying attention, they noticed that Jesus had said something earlier on in his conversation. After they had, had uh, fed the, the 5,000 and they were wanting to make him a king or whatever, he, he's thinking, he is communicating with them that, that this is not the, um, the, the most exciting thing. And he quotes from Deuteronomy after the Israelites had been fed by manna from heaven, similarly to what Jesus had done there with the 5,000. And uh, here in Deuteronomy 8, he quoted this. He says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. They, they remembered this teaching from Jesus, and so when he said, will you leave me? They said, no, you've got the words of life. We want to eat the words of life. The lesson Jesus wants you and me to learn is that our life isn't just made up of food. If he can provide manna from heaven, break some fish and turn them into food that can feed thousands, or bring water out of a rock, our life is finds its uh, sufficiency in, in God. We don't need to worry about those things. They're good. The thing we really, really, really need for true life, for abundant life, for eternal life, are the words of Jesus. They are spirit and they are life. So with this in mind, I'd like you to consider uh, four commitments. The first is uh, a simple commitment. I choose to attend the weekly worship experience. Every week we're going to be exploring the Bible in a new way, kind of going from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, etc., all the way through the, the, the Bible. And when you put yourself in this context, you'll have the opportunity of, of uh, chewing on 
the words of Jesus. Uh, that's one commitment, and I think that uh, we're going to do our best to give you uh, the words of life uh, in this year. We want to give the best opportunity for you to see Jesus in God's Word uh, this year. But it's not going to help you at all unless you're here, unless you're hanging out with us and you're listening and, and digging into the Bible with us. That's where the life-giving force of God is going to come into your life is when you're spending time with it. So what do you say? Are you willing to commit to attending our weekly, weekly worship experience? If you can't come, at least be participating um, through our live stream. There's a, a second commitment I'd like uh, to invite you to consider. This is one step farther down this road. I choose to personally read the Bible. We invite you to read through the entire Bible with us this year. I believe God can do a new thing in your life when you do this. Isaiah 43, 19 says, I'm about to do a new thing. See, I've already begun it. Don't you see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. Sometimes our, our lives feel like that, the dry wasteland, and we want something that's alive. Sometimes we pray and we feel like our, our prayers only hit the ceiling and, and bounce off and God never actually hears us. And I believe that God wants to do something new in our lives, an experiential knowledge of Him, where it's not just a, um, I know the facts about some doctrine, but it's I know Jesus and His story and I know how my life connects with Him. That's a new thing I think God wants to do in each of our lives this year. But it, it does require us to be with him. And I'd like to invite you to consider that commitment to read the Bible this year with us. As you're going through this year, you're gonna face challenges and you're gonna need wisdom and guidance from God. Right now, he's asking you, will you commit to reading his word so he can transform your life? There's a third commitment I'd like you to consider. And it would be easy for you to see this one as a, a commitment for a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife. Um, but uh, if you're single and you don't have children or a family at home, maybe you're a child and you really don't control the family experience, um, this is still a commitment that you can make. And so I'm gonna give you two versions of this commitment. The first is I choose to have regular family, family worship. Studies show over and over again that uh, children who stay in the church are children who have worship at home. And specifically, they're children whose fathers spend time praying with them, going to church with them, and reading the Bible with them. An active faith in the father is the most significant factor in children staying connected with God as they age and become adults themselves. That, that's statistical, Obviously, we can't um, just transform that into your experience. It's possible that your children aren't in church and you were faithful doing a family worship. So I, I don't want to suggest that you've done something wrong if that doesn't work out in the same way for you. But statistically, this is an important thing. Spend time with your family, reading the Bible and in prayer. But, but maybe you don't have a family or you don't have influence in your family to be able to do this. So I'd like to suggest a second version of this. If you're a child 
or if you're a, uh, a single person for one reason or another. I choose to regularly share what I'm learning in the Bible and pray with friends or family members. Uh, you could do this if you're a, a child. You could do it with somebody at school and say, I want to tell you what I've been reading. Uh, can we pray together? Just sharing it, connecting your worship with somebody else. There, there's something transformative about sharing your faith like this. You can't light a candle and then put it under something and, and expect it to give light anywhere, right? The Bible says that, that uh, you, you put a candle on a lampstand and that's when it gives light to the whole room. Jesus is using that illustration to, to show what our spiritual lives should be like. When we uh, are lit up by the Holy Spirit through his word, he invites us to shine our light to others, share something with somebody else. Even if it's just, I read something in the Bible this morning. Doing that is like kind of the next step in the, the spiritual walk with God. Um, hang out with church, spend time reading God's word, share it with somebody. My last commitment that I'd like you to consider is I choose to align my life with the word of God. I think this is the most important commitment that I'm asking you to make today because you can read the Bible and be like, mm, that's interesting. But, but to suggest that the Bible has truth in it and that my life should be adjusted to the Bible um, and that I'm willing for the Bible to adjust my life. Well, that's, that's a deeper commitment. And I think that's where the power of God's word comes is when we say, okay, God, I will follow you. When you reveal yourself from your word, I'll follow you. There's the vertical story, the interaction that uh, God has with us, the story of the God of heaven. And then there's the horizontal story in our lives. And that's our daily experience. Uh, all the trials that we face, it's the um, work and friends and school and bills, future plans, kids, worries, all the stuff that we interact with. That's our story. Throughout this year, I'd like to connect the dots between the vertical story, the theology of God who say, says he's wanting to save us and wants a relationship with us, and the reality of our daily lived lives. I'd like to connect those dots throughout this year. Through this series, In the Word, we're going to look at that vertical story and those horizontal stories, and we're going to see how our story is found in God's story. First Timothy says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Are you and I rich? In, in, in every way, we can consider ourselves rich. I know most of us probably aren't really wealthy, but compared to many in the world, we live fantastically well-provided-for lives. But not only that, we are rich spiritually. Uh, we are hanging out in a church that prizes God's word and truth in a way that uh, many Christians have said, well, it's not that big of a deal. Let's just sing praises. And so there's, there could be a bit of spiritual arrogance that we have. We're rich in spiritual knowledge. And Paul is inviting us to 
uh, a bit of humility. Don't put your confidence in your knowledge or your wealth, but put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Anybody here want real life, abundant life, the life that is truly life? Does that sound good to you? Yeah. Abundant life, choosing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your friend and your coming king is the most important decision you can make in all of your lifetime. Notice this quote from Harold Goddard. The destiny of the world is determined less by the battles that are lost and won than by the stories it loves and believes in. What stories do you put front and center in your mind, in your heart, in your life? What do you truly believe in? The greatest story ever told is about a God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. When you read this verse, you notice it says, for God, it all starts with his story. For God so loved the world. That means you and me. God so loved you and me that he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus Christ. He's the one where Acts 4 says, there's no other name given among heaven, under heaven um, among men whereby we must be saved. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the story. The word believes is, uh, or one of its derivatives, is mentioned a hundred times in the book of John, the gospel of John. The door of heaven is wide open to anybody who believes. It, it all starts with that faith, that belief, that's that, that willingness to say, this is God's word and I'm going, to, I'm going to read it and I'm going to align my life with it. I believe this is God's word. When scripture is calling you to go down a particular path, even if that path is un, kind of dark, uncertain, or maybe you don't want to go down that path, you need to go down that path anyway. And you go down that path not because you understand it all, not because you feel like this is um, the, the, in your wisdom, your human wisdom, like this is the best thing to do, but because God is the one who's directing you. And, and you know that when you go down that path, that's where abundant life will be. That's where you can live the life that God designed. That's where you're going to find joy and true satisfaction because God promised it. The word life is mentioned 36 times in the Gospel of John. God is calling us to take hold of life that is truly life, the only kind of life that matters, the only kind of life where you will be genuinely happy. We're going to find that life and what it means to truly live as we explore the Bible through this year. As we close, I want to point out that there are three main ways that we can read the Bible. The one that I'm encouraging you to do this year is the cover-to-cover -cover Bible reading. It's where you go from Genesis to Revelation, read the whole thing, and, and you get kind of this big picture, this overview of the stories, and you got, start, start to see how they connect, and you'll read this guy's name here, and then you'll read it again over there, and you'll ask the question, wait, are those the same guy? Um, and, and you start to see how the story connects together. I think that's a really important thing to do, but it's not the only thing to do. 
Another way that re- you read the Bible is um, when, you, when you're reading through the Bible and you, you have this question, um, you might stop and pay attention to and explore something. What is this place about? Who is this person? What does this word mean? Um, wonder what that was like in the original language. And, and you, you study it. You develop the idea a little bit more. It's a digging kind of Bible study. Uh, maybe you have a subject that you're really interested in and you dig into it. That's, that's a methodical Bible study. And that's an important way of reading the Bible. A third way that I think is important for us to consider is devotional reading. And devotional Bible reading is a little different. It's similar to the methodical Bible study where you'll stop and you'll explore something, but, but its purpose is not just to understand. Devotional Bible study asks the question, what are you saying to me, God? How do you want to speak to my heart right now in your word. I think that's a really important thing to do regularly, is to look at God's word and ask God, what is this passage telling me about you? And what is your call on my life from this passage? With the In the Word series, we're going to be doing the first kind of reading, the cover-to-cover, uh, blaze-through, big picture, you know, 60,000 feet, no, 30,000 feet. How, how high do airplanes fly? <laughs> the, the really high view of the Bible. Uh, but there may be a time or two when you get to something in the Bible and you're, you're asking questions that you don't have answers to just by reading it, and you need a little bit of deeper study. Um, you know, let's say that you're going through and you find the, in these law codes that you read in one place that God is authorizing slavery. And you have to ask the question, that doesn't, didn't God design us to all be equal? And uh, how, could, how could God say it's okay that we sell people and, or buy people? You know, this, this slavery idea just doesn't seem right. Well, that would be a great thing to study. Go through the whole Bible and study the subject of slavery and then tell us about what you find. But you might not have time to do that and to read from cover to cover. So we're going to provide an opportunity on Wednesday evenings to do uh, a little bit of overview study of the passages that we're reading for that week and also to answer some of those questions that you might have. I have uh, the benefit of some study on some of those subjects, but we'll probably run across a few of your questions that we scratch our our heads and say, well, that's that's curious. We'll have to study that one more and come back to it again. Uh, But I want to provide a time where we can dig a little bit deeper and try to answer some of those questions that come up as you read through cover to cover. Um, That Wednesday night at 7 o'clock is the time that we'll do that that, uh, uh, study, the midweek service. And if you have been coming to Wednesday night at 7 o'clock regularly, you'll know that that's our typical prayer meeting time. And we are going to have a little bit of prayer towards the end of that. But our main focus for this midweek service is going to shift a little bit to this walking through the Bible together and helping to answer some of these questions that come up along the way. For those of you who are looking at this Bible and saying, that's a big book, I have no idea how I can read through that. Um, I want to suggest a couple things. First of all, there's hope. Uh, If you read an average 125 to 150 words a minute, um, it's pretty average reading. Uh, My my sister reads at about 250 words per minute. I think my wife reads at least that fast. Uh, My dad has learned to speed read, and he can read about 400 words a minute. I I don't understand that. He'll go to a bookstore and read a whole book just standing there for an hour, and, and he'll get through the whole thing. I can't read that fast, I'm about 100 words a minute, Um, and uh, so reading a big book is a big deal for me. If it's a big deal for you, 
I'd like to give you a bit of hope. 15 to 20 minutes at that slower pace will get you through the entire Bible in a year. 15 or 20 minutes in a day will get you through the entire Bible in a year. Does that sound doable? That's not too overwhelming, right? But maybe reading isn't your thing at all. And that's okay too. There are audiobooks, and I'm going to give you a, a, a resource here. If you write this down or take a picture of that uh, QR code there, um, riverviewadventist.org slash publications slash in dash the dash word. That URL will get you to a page with some resources on it. And on that page, I have audiobooks that you can download on your, on your iPhone or Android device. I've got uh, links to a web version of the um, audio Bible. You can read it in many different translations. Um, you can have it read to you in many different translations from these uh, apps. We have some really fantastic resources, and all the ones I've put up there are free. Um, so they're, they, they don't cost you anything to access these things. Um, on that website, you'll also see a Bible reading plan, and there's two different versions of this. If you like a little bit of a free-form version, we have this one. It's the, the full-page picture where it says, In the Word, and this is a weekly Bible reading plan. So when you open this one up, it'll say, January 13 to 27, Genesis. So for that week, read the whole, the whole book of Genesis. Um, that's a, If you're into that kind of thing and just want the, the, the outline of where we're going, um, this is the, the reading plan for you. You can find this on that website and print it out yourself. We also have in the book rack on the back, um, we have this reading plan and also another kind of reading plan. Uh, the one I picked up is the New Testament, but we have an Old Testament, which starts in January, and then the New Testament will start later in the year. Um, but these are a daily reading plan where you can see um, September 1, Matthew 1 through 5. This is the New Testament version, so um, it starts in September. But the, it, it'll show you what to read for that day. Um, if you want, you can use a different reading plan. I've found some really cool ones online. Um, if you like a chronological view of the story, where it kind of puts First Kings and First Chronicles together and you get to see the story develop throughout the whole Bible, those are fun. Um, lots of different resources that you could um, explore for reading through the Bible, but we've given you a couple on that website that you can look at. And I'd like to mention one more resource that I just heard about yesterday. Um, the Sisterhood of Churches in the uh, Inland Northwest, uh, they've organized, the Upper Columbia Conference has organized a nightly Bible reading and prayer time. So if you want to read the Bible <coughs> and pray with a group of people every evening and get some uh, kind of some structure around that, at 8.30 every night, they're going to be meeting on Zoom. And you can go to that website that's listed on the, um, on the, the screen there, and you can find a link to that, uh, that Zoom right there on that website. Bookmark the page. We're going to probably be adding resources as we go. One of the things I've got on there is some uh, overviews of books. So it can be helpful if you just look at a little video that shows you how the book develops and then read the book. It can be helpful to kind of grasp what's going on. Um, so I've got some links to, to those resources. If you're trying to figure out who a person is um, and, and kind of where they fit in the story of the Bible, uh, I've listed or linked a, uh, a webpage that's a, uh, a timeline of the Bible. And you can search for a name and find all its connections, all that person's connections throughout the Bible. Um, so this is a good resource for you, and uh, bookmark it and go back to it regularly um, as we develop this throughout the year. As you decide this morning 
whether to make this, these commitments that I've invited you to, I'd like you to recognize that this is not just a question that I'm asking of you, or that you should be saying yes to me, or no to me. This is a question I believe that God is inviting us to. Joshua, in, he stood before the, the children of Israel uh, towards the end of his life, and he said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And then he, he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But you need to choose. This is a choice that you make before God and to God, um, not a choice that you make to me. Now, I don't want to make you, like, you know, like pour on the guilt here. That's not my point. <laughs> um, and, and if you find that uh, you, you started, you know, this is a new year and it's kind of a resolution or a commitment I'm inviting you to make, and if you find that you get uh, three weeks in and, you've, and you failed, like you, you're, you're behind a week or two, I never want you to feel like, oh no, I've messed up and, you know, I, I didn't follow through on my commitment. That, that's not the point. But, but I do want to invite you to be intentional about this commitment. If you're saying yes, then say yes to God. And, and if you find that there's a point where you're like, oh man, I'm a week or two or three behind, um, never stress about that. Just pick it back up. If this takes you two years to read through the Bible, that's fine. If you end up uh, skipping a section because you got behind, that's all right. We'll fill you in. Don't, don't feel guilty at any point during this year as we explore the Bible together. Just come along for the ride. Bumps and turns and twists um, included. Next week, we're going to jump right into our story with the Big Bang Theory. And we're going to ask the question, is it true, the Big Bang, or is it a theory? And uh, what, is, what is the facts of the story? Where did we begin? We're going to take a creative look at biblical origins. What do you say? You want to join me in this journey? Does this sound like a good thing? Yeah. All right. Will you stand?